Look at a Mysterious Universe, Season 28, Episode 22. Coming up on this show, we've got NASA's Venusian cover-up, failed deals with the Grey Exterminators, and the ancient temples connecting the three steps of Vishnu. I'm Benjamin Grundy. Joining me is Aaron Wright. Does this have anything to do with isosceles triangles, perhaps? They may come up. (laughs) Great. Isosceles triangles were a big feature on the last Plus show. They're the new hot chaff. We covered the work of Mark Vidler and what was his book called again? The Star Mirror. Mm -hmm. And he looked at the, the Great Pyramid at Giza and he ended up, you know, the shafts that go out at different angles and all the angles off the side faces of the pyramid. He ended up tracing them from 2450 BC to, uh, stars yes that were in the skies in that time period and then he started to notice that if you tracked the next two brightest stars with whatever the shaft was pointing to and you join them all together it would always without fail produce an isosceles triangle it's incredible and it's found <laughs> all around the world and then yeah well he then started to trace the uh, meridian i guess the meridian pathways of those stars and those relationships And he found there's a correlation between those stars and mountains on Earth. And when you find those mountains that the stars correlate, you find the next two, like you find the next two brightest stars, you find the next two highest mountains and they form an isosceles triangle. (laughs) And they're everywhere. And I thought it was so bizarre. In the book, he goes, well, why don't you try this for yourself? So I did it. I went to a a site here in uh, Queensland where there's an alleged pyramid. The Gibby Pyramid. The Gimpy Pyramid, there's a debate over whether it's an actual ancient historical site or whether it was built by some Giuseppe Italian guy <laughs> in the <laughs> 1800s. Grapes. But I looked at this this uh, Gimpy Pyramid and then I found on Google Earth the, the three tallest mountains overlooking it and I joined them together. <laughs> it's a freaking isosceles triangle. So how does this tie in with what you've got coming up in our plus extension later in the show? Well, I didn't know this was going to tie in. I just started to go into a 2016 book from Freddie Silver called The Divine Blueprint, where he's talking about temples and power places and the, the subheading is the global plan to shape the human soul. So I start going through this and I'm flicking through the pages and he's got diagrams of freaking isosceles triangles. <laughs> like what's going on? What is with the bloody triangles? It's meant to be, Ben. So I realized uh, I was set to do the free segment on this show, but I realized if you're on Plus, this I mean, this flows so nicely from the uh, the Star Mirror work I did on the last Plus show. I'm going to do uh, this this work from Freddie Silver in the Plus extension coming up where Fantastic. we're going to feature more triangles. Well, what's interesting about Freddie Silver's stuff is he touches on a lot of the same things about Vidla, which was essentially that what the ancient Egyptians and the well, the pyramid builders, I should say, were trying to do was point out a relationship between heaven and earth. Yes, yeah, that as above, so below. They were trying to lay out and make, uh, with a very clear mathematical communication, um, show the people that followed this principle. And uh, Freddie Silver does the same thing, but he believes these uh, mountain correlations and the temples that are associated with them actually connect in a real visceral way to the human being. And uh, I mean like metaphysically or something more than that? Metaphysically and biologically. And I want to go into some of that because he talks about his mystical experiences he's had at some of these sites, including uh, at the Great Pyramid at Giza, when a weird guy wearing a white robe literally walked out of one of the stones in the wall in the king's chamber and started talking to him. (laughs) Oh, the idea of like it's a portal of some kind. Yeah. Wasn't that the idea that these alignments of the stars were a star portal? Well, we've covered this 
time and time again over the years, these stories of people seeing strange, tall individuals wearing old white robes suddenly appearing and communicating telepathically at some of these ancient sites. And we've had a few stories from the Great Pyramid at Giza. Uh, Some of them are very old. There's also also this legend of Napoleon uh, insisting he spend the night in the Great Pyramid. And when they let him out in the morning, apparently he was white as a ghost and he like fled. Really? Uh, and he would never he, he would never reveal what occurred to him. I don't know how true this historical account is because he never really spoke about what happened. But it's, it's said that what he did say to uh, his soldiers or whoever was, was speaking with him was that if he told them, they would never believe him. Right. If he revealed what he saw inside, no one would ever believe him. Napoleon's interesting in that sort of, you know, idea about those experiences because wasn't it Napoleon that had like the red demon that would appear in his bedroom and, and taunt him and, and speak to him? Wasn't that one of the stories that's out there about him? Well, he seems to be in on, contact with a lot of entities. Based on some of the other experiences that people have reported in the Great Pyramid, that's uh, what you're initially shown is it's almost like a test of sorts mm-hmm. that you're shown horrible, demonic, evil things, and if you can withstand it... <laughs> oh, so you pass the test. Then one of these weird guys wearing a white robe just walks out of a portal in the wall. I don't know why. I just imagine it's always going to be Alistair Crowley just walking out. <laughs> Hello, my boy! Well, didn't Crowley himself have a similar experience? Yeah, he did, apparently, according to the yeah. stories out there. So, all right, well, I'm looking forward to getting into that a little bit later in the show, but for this episode... I actually fell into this uh, as well this week because I I was looking uh, for the plus episode earlier this week. And Ben, because you ended up doing all that isosceles triangle stuff, we kind of would say would move it into the the show now. But uh, I noticed that there's been a lot of strange phenomena going on around the world at the moment. There's a lot of stuff that's showing up on social media. I'll link to a a post that kind of summarizes most of it. But the reason why it's getting a lot of attention at the moment is because have you seen all these animals walking around in circles? And when I mean walking around in circles, I mean like in China, in Mongolia, I'm sorry, for example, uh, there was a report that there was a group of sheep that were, and I'm talking, you know, a few hundred sheep were walking around in circles for two weeks. It's a neurological disease, right? That's right. That's what some people have been suggesting. Some are suggesting that there's some type of neurological thing going on here. But others have reported that this flock of sheep is fine. There's no neurological condition that would be causing this. They're healthy. So why is this happening? And isolated, you can go, oh, well, that's that's weird. And maybe it is something to do with their feed or, you know, who knows, prions, who knows exactly what's going on. But other people on social media have been reporting that this is happening all around the world. You've got flocks of chickens that are invading people's cars and walking around their cars in circles. What? You've got ants that are just ants. Circ- no, but I mean, ant, like hundreds and thousands of ants that are just going around clockwise in circles until they fall down dead. It's also happening uh, in Cyprus. Apparently, this is going on. Uh, pigs are reported to be going around in circles. It's really strange. Now, I don't know whether or not some of this is just images that people have caught previously, and because it seems to be catching on, maybe they're just uploading them at the same time. But others are claiming that, no, this is a sign of the end times or yeah. this is a sign of something very strange is happening there in the world. There was an article over at Newsweek on the sheep in particular, the ones in China, and they had a uh, Department of Agriculture university professor comment on it. And he said it's not neurological, it's just pure frustration. They, yes. they do this when they're confined for long periods of time and don't get out. That was the argument with that case is that the, the Mongolian herders or shepherds had kept them in a confined uh, pen area for too long. And now that they've been released, they're all going around in circles. And that might be a possibility. 
But that doesn't happen with ants. If you pen ants up for a long time, they don't behave in that fashion. Uh, it's all a little bit weird, and obviously it's led to people making claims that this is a sign of the end times. Um, there's pigeons in the UK that have been doing this. Uh, there's turkeys in the US. This is the other thing. Like, there's three. Uh, there's a video of it. There's just three turkeys running around a palm tree or something, just on endless for 12 loop. hours. <laughs> so all of that in isolation, you can go, oh, it's just a bit weird. But the reason why I thought I'd bring it up is because uh, this kind of circling in the past has been associated with cattle mutilations. Really? As well. Yeah, this is something that Linda Moulton Howe has pointed out. In fact, when she was uh, presenting to... Remember the the UFO hearing, the people's hearing uh, a few years ago that happened where... It's like a decade ago. Now. Yeah, exactly. So Linda Moulton Howe was there presenting uh, stories about you know, cattle mutilations and why it's so important that, you know, we actually look at this and understand what's going on. Uh, I'm going to play some audio from her presentation a little bit later on, but this coincided with what I've been looking at recently about zoo mutilations. There's these reports that have been reasonably well hidden that suggest there is some type of large-scale cover-up going on. What? by multiple government agencies or people within government agencies that know exactly what the cattle mutilation phenomenon is and are trying to keep it quiet. And it's actually caused a lot of trouble amongst ufological circles. There's people that have been coming out over the years claiming that they know that the military knows what's happening. Uh, There's even more wild stuff like John Lear, who I've got some audio of him coming up in a moment, actually describing, and it fits in with what we were talking about last week on the, uh, the Apollo Guardians, the reason why humanity isn't leaving Earth is because we're food, ultimately. We are cattle of some kind. And the cattle mutilations that we you know, commonly refer to as in cattle are also happening to people as well. And there's all those classic cases out there that we know quite well. There's the Todd C's case, which we've you know discussed in the past. Todd C's case, so I got some new information about that today, which was kind of disturbing and unsettling. But as it happens with his incident, uh, if you're not familiar with him, This guy was 39 years old. Uh, Apparently, he'd climbed onto his ATV. He was in a remote rural area. Uh, He climbs onto his ATV and he says to his wife, look, I'm going to go out for the day. I'm going to go and check this blind. Where is Uh, this? This is Northumberland. And he's like, I'm going to go and check this blind and I'm going to see if there's any, I don't know what he was hunting, elk or deer or something, and I'll be back. And so this guy disappears, like he's gone. And uh, his wife obviously starts to get concerned when he doesn't come home in the evening and calls local authorities. There's the local police department that have, I I believe it was like just six staff, like it wasn't very big. Um, But they ultimately call in state police. They call in volunteers. They go searching everywhere and they can't find this guy. Todd has just disappeared. But what they do find is his ATV with no footprints around it at all, which is odd because it was soft, dusty ground. So you would have had footprints. There was no footprints on top of this ATV. And his shoe was found 60 feet in the air in a tree. That one. Right? (laughs) Now that would go, oh, this is all very strange. Now for 36 to 40 hours with 200 people wandering about this site, nobody saw anything. I'm sure he's fine. I'm sure he's fine. I'm sure he's fine. Yeah. And missing 411 style, right? One day the following morning, as uh, the volunteers are walking past, they see something white. Like they get this flash of white out of the corner of their eye in a patch of briars or trees or heavy, thick brush that is around, I think it was like 12 or 24 yards from the house. This is a location where 200 volunteers have been walking past for the last 36 hours. Nobody had seen anything until they catch this flash of white. Now, when they look at this flash of white, they go over to inspect it. It's so thick and so overgrown that they have to get chainsaws in to cut down the trees and cut down this stuff to to get through. 
they finally get through and they discover that that flash of white was actually Todd Sears. It's his naked body and his body is unfortunately white. It's like with this pallor and it's white because all the blood has been drained from it. Ugh. Now, this is not some type of uh, the guy has just simply gone to commit suicide. That's not what has occurred here. Uh, the condition that his body was in was consistent with cattle mutilations. And if you're familiar with cattle mutilations, I won't go over it too much. I'll link to a couple of episodes in the show so you can actually go back and listen to the full story of what cattle mutilations are. But the, the defining features of a cattle mutilation is that you find an animal that has no tracks around it, no marks around it, completely exsanguinated. It's called extreme exsanguination. There's no blood left in the carcass at all. And it's got fine cuts like surgical laser-like cuts or holes in the body and things like uh, the genitals, the tongue, the eyes, sensory organs, internal organs have been removed. And in some cases, and in many cases of cattle mutilations, you find that it's almost like someone with a great deal of power has taken a large apple corer and then shoved it into the rectum of these animals or these people and cored out the very inner core of the body. And, you know, in some cases you've got, uh, with cattle mutilations, you find what essentially is like a rug. And what I mean, it's like the hide. The hide is all that's left and everything inside the body has been pulled from it. But there seems to be these laser-like incisions that have taken place. The same thing happened with Todd Sears. Now, where we start crossing into even more, you know, conspiratorial sides of things is that with Todd, his body was taken immediately by the local authorities, obviously, because it was in such a bad state. Uh, it wasn't, decomposition is the wrong word. It was just messed up so badly as a result of the injuries that he suffered. Uh, it was also consistent, apparently, that he may have been alive when at least some of these incisions oh, had taken place. This is what the pathology revealed and what Linda will actually explain uh, in a moment as to what some of this kind of pathology reveals. Uh, there is this classic thing that when you look at cattle mutilations or alleged human mutilations, uh, when you have a pathologist who will look at the, um, the samples, the tissue samples, you'll find when a very sharp, uh, hot object has been used, such as a laser or something like electrosurgery has taken place, you'll get this peppering effect of carbonization. And you'll see it. It will be all through the tissue. It's consistent with all laser surgery. It's you know, completely standard. It's what happens because you have heat being applied to tissue. Uh, in many of these examples... There's never any type of this peppering. There's any, never any of this carbonization, suggesting it's a highly sophisticated uh, type of instrument which has been used and something that is beyond conventional technology that we have at the moment. And you can go, well, you know, people have said in the past that, oh, this is cults or this is foul play. It's like, I'm sorry, cults and people committing foul play aren't running around with futuristic laser scalpels doing this to people. And with Todd, when his body was removed, it wasn't allowed to be seen by the family because it was so, you know, badly damaged. But the uh, report finally came out, and I think this was, um, it was a very, very odd finding. Toxicology tests were mm. performed, and the toxicology revealed that he had died of a cocaine overdose. That's fascinating. He did not die of a cocaine overdose. That is absolute. Cocaine overdoses don't cause your rectum to be cored out or for your eyes to be removed or you know, these horrible injuries to take place. And, you know, there's been investigators that have followed up this case because, you know, MUFON looked at this, you know, MUFON considers this to be uh, an ongoing case that they've tried to follow up on. And I think Butch Witowski has actually looked into this case in, in great detail as well. And when they've contacted the local authorities for more details about this particular case, uh, they've been threatened. 
they've been threatened and said, if you keep on calling or if you keep on, you know, looking into this, we'll, uh, you know, you know, proceed with charges of harassment, this kind of stuff, which is absurd. It appears to be some type of very strange cover-up. And to say that the guy died of a cocaine overdose is absolutely ludicrous. You know, there's a book that I purchased a couple of years ago by Neil Whitehead. It's called uh, Dark Shamans. And he he travels to, uh, I think it's in, it's in Africa somewhere. Mm-hmm. And he looks at the Kainama, who are essentially the title of the book. They're these dark shamans and the, the local people are absolutely terrified of them. And what they do to their victims is precisely what you're describing from this mutilation. Really? Like they give them essentially a poison that keeps them alive. They core out the anus. They remove the eyeballs. They do horrible, horrible things. And I didn't end up doing it for the show because I was just so horrified reading it. Like it's just the most disgusting thing. Um, But it it did make me realize that there are good reasons for people saying that some of these cases could be attributed to some kind of cult or some kind of, um, you know, evil devil worship or something. And that's essentially what these shamans do. They they try to uh, make the experience as painful as possible to essentially uh, give service to the demons that they worship. Oh, that's incredible. That that coincides with what uh, John Lear has described. And as I said, I'll, I'll get some of his audio in a minute. He doesn't obviously believe that it's shamans. His idea is that this is t- some type of extraterrestrial species. And this is what you know a lot of people put forward is that, um, in countering what you're saying there, Ben, but I think coinciding with it as well, is that this stuff is... Uh, it's not being mm. run by a like a bunch of Satanists. It's not being done. There must be some type of uh, either extraterrestrial intervention or some type of supernatural mm. intervention which uh, is taking place. They're from Guyana, actually, so South America. Right. Oh, okay. N- not, yeah. not Africa. But that's. But the thing is that it, it's funny that you should say that because uh, maybe that's like a, a local way to uh, justify what's happening because this stuff has been happening all around the world and it's been happening for a long time. There's reports that go back to the 1800s of this kind of stuff taking place. It's not just humans. It's not just cattle. It's seals. It's whales. It's birds. uh, It's cats. It's porpoise. It's like every single animal you can imagine. If you start looking into strange flaps and reports of animal deaths, you'll find this repeating theme that seems to pop up of the way that these instruments are used um, and how these incidents just happen so rapidly. But again, coming back to this weird element of there seems to be some type of there's a cover-up. I don't understand why. Uh, and perhaps we'll get to, you know, some hypotheses as to what the reason is later on. But even recently, right, as recently as October of this year, there were 18 calves that were found dead on grazing land in the White River National Forest, right? And these calves appeared to have been mutilated. It's not the extreme level of cattle mutilation that we get, uh, but it is odd that they were mutilated. Well, guess what the local authorities attributed to? They said, oh, it's wolves, right? Because wolves are being reintroduced. Like there's this program that's being run, which is reintroducing the wolves, uh, and they closed the whole thing down. Why don't you think it's wolves? Because the wolves aren't scheduled to be introduced until late 2025. Oh, okay. <laughs> so there's no wolves. There's no, sorry, late 2023. There's no wolves. There's no wolves until next year, the end of next year. And they've got, oh, it's wolves. Like, just write it off as wolves. Well, there's no wolves at all there? No. There must be some. No, but maybe. But to have 18 of them and to have um, these injuries that are consistent with cattle mutilation doesn't tick every single box. But it is odd. And there's a rancher there that said, look, he did find 
Uh, and there's gruesome photos that are actually floating around on the internet as well if you go searching for it. Uh, but five had shown what appeared to be teeth-like impressions, but the teeth-like impressions are also in a serrated kind of style, which fits in with other cattle mutilations that are showing up around the world. There's like that serrated effect which seems to come through, uh, a lack of blood, and it's just strange. Like, it's strange that this is happening. Then 40 calves in Mika, Colorado, only last month as well, also died in unusual circumstances. There was no evidence of dogs. There was uh, nothing around the carcasses. It remains a complete mystery. And some people have suggested, oh, uh, this was triggered by a fatal disease. Like a fatal disease doesn't cause this Blood type draining. of yeah, mutilation to take place. So people think when we talk about cattle mutilations that the activity has ceased or that was something that was you know, said amongst conspiracy theorists and UFO nuts back in the 1980s, but that doesn't appear to be the case. This is something which has been going for a very long time. It appears to continue to be ongoing. And the reasons may be far more sinister than we could ever possibly imagine. But let me just play some audio for you. We're going to go through a little bit of audio here. And then we'll start working our way back to some of these strange zoo mutilations that took place. So what I've got here is Linda Moulton Howe describing one of the very first incidences of a cattle mutilation being reported. This was of a horse. Uh, sometimes the horse is known as Snippy. Other oh, times, Snippy. Yeah, people know it as, as Lady. But listen to what she says about this, which fits in with these strange circling motions that have been happening recently. horse named Lady was found dead on a ranch near Alamosa in southern Colorado. The horse's entire skull and long neck had been stripped of flesh, and every organ in the chest of that horse had been surgically excised according to a medical doctor. There was no blood anywhere, not in the animal, not around the animal, and nowhere nearby. And there were no tracks of the animal. It was powdery soil, and the animal is lying there stripped of flesh, but there were no tracks around the body, not even the own horse's tracks. But a hundred and some feet away, there were horse tracks in a circle, as if the horse had been caught in something in which the feet had gone around in a circle. Oh, isn't that weird? That's an element that I hadn't heard with the Snippy case before. I'm quite familiar with that case, and I hadn't heard that. And it fits in with that case I told you about Todd C's and that... He, his ATV had no um, marks, track marks, anything around it at all. It was like he'd just been plucked off. He wasn't and going lifted around in a circle? In, no, that wasn't reported, but it was like he'd been plucked off and lifted into the sky and then dumped back down somewhere else. The same thing seemed to happen with this horse, that it was lifted into the sky uh, after walking around in a circle and then dumped 100 feet from where it had been lifted up. Now, you can go, well... Obviously, that's open to a lot of interpretation and guesswork there. But there are other stories that kind of give us an understanding as to maybe this is what happened because there was a report that happened in uh, South America, I believe, where a, a rancher had gone out. He'd never seen anything unusual. There'd never been weird activity on his property until all of a sudden, balls of light started appearing over his property and spooking his cattle. His cattle were getting spooked. It was obviously causing great deals of concern for him because as you know, their owners, he wants to make sure that his, his cattle are doing well. He said on this particular evening, he saw these balls of light uh, that sometimes were moving in triangular formation, which is really important because that comes up in some of these zoo cases that I want to describe for you. But these balls of light heading in a triangular formation, not isosceles, they uh, headed over the top of their cattle, spooked the cattle, so he went out to go and inspect it. Now, when he goes out to inspect it, he says something very strange took place. 
He claims that he suddenly heard this, uh, there was a deafening, almost like the Oz effect that took place. The silence kind of enveloped the entire area. There was a sudden uh, hum that started getting louder and louder. It was a consistent that kept on building up. And as this sound built up, he noticed that three cows started walking in circles and then a light started to shine in the distance. When this light shined in the distance, the cows started moving towards it like they were being drawn to it. Now, the cows started freaking out. They were trying to stop themselves. They were trying to press their feet into the ground, but they couldn't stop being drawn almost like a tractor beam towards this light. Now, this guy, this farmer, I mean, I would probably do the same thing, not knowing what to do. He grabs his sidearm and just starts firing at the light, the source of the light. He fires at the source of the light. The light blinks out and everything kind of returns to normal. Like he it, saved him. Well, because once the light's gone, it's a blinding light. He oh. looks back over to see what's happened. One of his cows is gone. Another cow is actually, the other cow's gone. So two cows are gone and one cow is mutilated, right? One cow is compl- classic mutilated. This happened in moments. It was moments that this took place and it was a classic mutilation. All these organs were stripped out. There were holes. There were like puncture holes about the size of, uh, I suppose, a quarter that were in the body. But later on, a uh, necropsy, you know, an inspection, a pathological inspection of this body revealed that through those holes, organs had been sucked out. Oh, my gosh. There was some sucking instrument that had been used to suck it out. And this is just in the blink of an eye. In the blink of an eye as this guy shooting at this light, watching this thing, right? One cow that was never found again, he found another cow dumped on his property, I think it was a mile away. Mutilated in the same way? Not mutilated, just dumped. So it was almost like he had interrupted something. What Him firing into this light had done something. But it appears that he himself was very lucky because of the reports of, of human mutilations. Uh, he's very lucky that he wasn't affected. But that's not a cult. You know, that's not a bunch of Satanists doing this. This suggests that there is some type of uh, sophisticated agency above that of humanity that is doing this. But why? Like, why are they doing this? So um, the thing is, though, we shouldn't rule out that, look, Australia apparently has got reports of this stuff happening for a long time. Like, I wasn't familiar that Australia had a lot of cattle mutilations. Apparently, though, we do. And apparently, we've been quite instrumental in, in reporting these cases. Um, listen to what Linda has to say about a case that happened uh, in South Australia, here in Australia. On July 15th, 1984, the Sunday Times in Australia headline, quote, cover-up alleged over UFO-linked animal slaughter. Many reports of UFOs and strange lights in the sky, close quote. Farmers in the Adelaide Hills have discovered mutilated animal corpses and burn marks on the ground. In one incident, researchers say a farmer discovered four cows with holes drilled into their skulls and the brains removed. Adelaide UFO researcher Colin Norris said, quote, I have been told the army asked the farmer to remain quiet about the animals and that the army would cover the whole thing up, close quote. Mr. Norris said pod marks in the ground and burnt treetops indicated a UFO craft had landed. I want you to keep some of the elements of this in your mind. So the army coming in and interfering and saying we will cover it up, uh, the covering up of pod marks on the ground, the burning of trees, this stuff comes up in other cases as well. It's almost as if there is some type of international understanding between even enemies, I'm talking governments, that have groups that will go out and 
cover up these mutilations that are taking place. They don't want the truth behind these mutilations from coming out. And what she described there as well in that particular report of there being four cows with holes drilled inside their head or into their head, this was something that was also identified by David Caton uh, back in 1997. Now, David Caton is a really fascinating guy. Uh, you may recall him. We've touched on his work in the past. He was the guy that did all that SEAL research back into, what, 1997, well into, I think 2008 it happened. SEAL mutilations. This was SEAL mutilations. That's exactly right. I'll link to a, a far greater PDF describing what happened. But I was familiar with the SEAL mutilations taking place in the, the 90s. I think what happened was a bunch of SEALs started washing up on, uh, I think, Scottish beaches or Scottish uh, coastland or the northern UK kind of area. And the reason why this was so odd is because there were multitudes of them. It wasn't one or two. There were a whole heap of them. And further inspection revealed that this was no typical type of death at sea of these animals. These animals had corkscrew incisions that started at the base of their spine, traveled through their entire body coming out at the fins. Mm. And suggesting that there was some type of instrument that had been used. They also had holes in their in their rectal cavity and had it been cored out as well in some cases. Not in all, but in some cases. Now, there's a whole heap of, you know, theories that have popped up about this. People have suggested that, oh, well, it's the, um, I think it was boat propellers was one argument that was put forward. But Boat really? propellers, this has been debunked. <laughs> Boat propellers don't cause this kind of damage. It's not consistent, and not with so many of these seals either. Um, the other idea came forward was that there was a particular type of sawtooth shark that apparently had a great season, so they were very hungry. So these sawtooth shark were uh, chomping on these seals, which was, but they weren't eating anything. And how is, how is a sawtooth shark drilling into the inside of the animal to remove an mm. organ and then spitting everything else out. That just seems weird as well. Uh, the other thing that came up was that it was, um, I believe there was some type of illness that had been causing, again, an illness. I mean, even if it's necrotic, you know, it destroys tissue in some way. It's not going to cause these similar kinds of uh, injuries that are being reported. But what it is consistent with is what, you know, UFO researchers are seeing is it's consistent with cattle mutilations that are happening in a wide variety of other animals on land. It was exactly the same kind of thing. One crazy theory came out because this was odd as well, which also then starts fitting in with, you know, greater details of the abduction phenomenon is that with the seals, I think in the 90s cases, most of them were female or juvenile which is a bit odd. And one of the arguments, well, and that would suggest that it's not propellers because propellers aren't selective. Propellers yeah, aren't sexist. Um, you know, it was suggested that, well, there was cannibal males that had started you know, eating other members. Of the, like, None they're of going, this Why? It doesn't add up. Like, it's almost like they're coming up with something which is even more wild than the idea that, look, it could be extraterrestrials harvesting these things. And for what purpose? I don't know. Um, what I wasn't aware of is that this all repeated in 2008. Did it? The same thing happened in 2008. Once again, more of these carcasses showed up. Just re It stopped. And this is what happens with cattle mutilation when it happens on land. Yeah, it it's like you're saying flats. it's showing up again now in, and it's in North America. Exactly. It's showing up again. All of this stuff. This is what Charles Fort saw. This is what John Keel saw. There is a cycle to all of this stuff. And it dies down for a while and it starts back up again. And it dies down and it starts back up. And if don't think, though you know, that you are going to be safe from this kind of stuff. Oh, it's all nonsense. Oh, it's all conspiracy theories. Oh, unfortunately, there are 30,000 people that disappear from the US every year alone that are never found again. They just up and disappear. I think it's about 250,000 people disappear from the US 
And of those, yeah, 95% or 90% of them are returned because it's normally runaway kids or domestic abuse situations, uh, murders, that kind of stuff. And they're solved, right? They're, they're worked out. But 30,000 people a year just vanish without a trace. Now, I'm not saying every single person is being mutilated. I'm not saying every single person is being abducted. But when you start looking at some of the stories, some of the claims that are out there from researchers, other abductees, um, you know, other stories, it could be that there are extraterrestrials out there that have made some type of agreement to remove people from Earth. And some people are just unlucky. They get caught up in that agreement. Uh, But before I go there, let's go back to Linda for a second, because let's go back to that case where I described um, the four holes in the head. David Caton, who was of the corkscrew mutilation fame, he went out to a site where there had been a multitude of sheep that had been uh, exposed to some type of mutilation. It was very unusual. Uh, I don't know how many sheep it was exactly, but it was a large number. The farmer was very concerned about this. A whole heap of authorities showed up. The local police obviously got involved. And the police, because they found holes in the skull, were wondering if this was a firearms crime or something. So they brought in this pathologist, this veterinary pathologist, to take a look at this. And so uh, he, David uh, Caton, assisted in removing the heads and taking the heads to be radiographed. And the pathologist found something very unusual but consistent with that report from Australia. These two holes were in the side of the head, a bit similar to the lamb from Shropshire, but deeper, within the, the bigger hole. Um, and she found they seemed to line up. And uh, she actually passed an implement through from one side to the other, which was a knitting needle, actually, right, right. Uh, which she, she suggested a clamping device had been forcibly, and a lot of force, she said, would have been applied to press these two appeared to be blind holes, but diametrically opposite, right. each side of the head. And then this had missed the top of the brain, that come out the other side. But that clearly was not done by a bullet. The main thrust of it was to eliminate firearms. Some kind of machinery is grabbed to the animal. Yes, some kind of machinery precisely without affecting the brain has pinpointed the skull, driven into both sides diametrically, but with precision, has missed the top of the brain. By the way, in a lot of these cases, the skull, the, sorry, the brain is sucked out or removed. So it's almost like they're Well, you don't want to damage the merchandise. That's exactly what happened. And what's really weird about this is that as soon as they determined that, oh, well, no, it's not firearms, the police dropped this whole thing. The whole thing just... And the farmer is obviously frustrated because his sheep have been subjected to this. This is, at the very least, you know, vandalism. It's horrible. But nothing was ever found. But it's consistent with other reports that are showing up around the world. Now, you know, Linda describes, you know, that story I I was describing with the beam and the fact that this flash happened. So many people say, well, if cattle mutilations are happening... Why don't we see anything? Like, why don't we see anything? We don't see anything because one, it happens apparently in some circumstances instantaneously, but in most cases, it takes less than two minutes to strip a body. The darker collagen tissue is damaged from some injury source, but shows a striking lack of inflammatory change. This suggests that the procedure of injury was relatively fast. Taking all the microscopic findings into account, one would have to conclude that the surgical procedure performed on these animals took place quickly, probably in a minute or two, and utilized high temperature heat as a cutting source applied in a fine probe or cutting instrument, close quote. And we are talking about the excision of an ear, eye, 
jaw flesh, tongue, the sexual organs, and the rectum in less than two minutes. Isn't that incredible? In less than two minutes, they are performing these surgical extractions, these highly precise surgical extractions. Who possibly has this kind of technology? Well, it's interesting because some of the best uh, evidence we've had for, the, I guess, what's behind the whole mutilation phenomenon was from Colm Kelleher's Brain Trust book. He was looking at this connection between mad cow disease and misdiagnosed Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm pretty sure in that book he does go into cattle mutilations as evidence of a perhaps a, a government party, a government uh, organisation being very concerned about the, the food supply, being very concerned about what people are eating and perhaps doing being behind these mutilations so that they can examine the brains and the tissue of these animals that are in the food supply. Yes. Now, obviously, that doesn't explain seals, but I always thought that was one of the, the best explanations for what's going on if you're able to look past some of the extremely uh, bizarre paranormal elements of this. Exactly. But if you're saying things are being removed within two minutes. I mean, the scenario he paints is like a black helicopter landing and kind of... And there the, are those reports. The army coming down and, and doing this, taking the animal and then returning it. Yes. Uh, but yeah, if this is happening that rapidly, it doesn't seem to make sense. And that's where the, the waters do become muddied. And I do like that theory as well. I think there is potentially something to that because there are other reports out there that are consistent with that, Ben. I mean, even Nick Redfern has reported on this. I'll link to some of Nick's work on this about black helicopters being seen around ranches uh, with cattle mutilations taking place. But uh, it, it seems to be that there's kind of this other element, which obviously people like Linda Moulton Howe have gone down the road of because they've got more stories about people actually seeing, you know, UFO saucer-shaped craft lifting cattle. You know, and that story I told you from South America of there being lights and weird beams and technology which seems to be beyond humanity's capabilities. And then the fact that, you know, it's happening so rapidly, that is beyond. And this is what's happening. Like there's reports of people that will, you know, go out and they'll get off their horse and they'll go inside for a drink and they'll come back outside and their horse is mutilated. Like it's just happened in the blink of an eye. It's, it's absolutely terrifying. Um, and it's not modern, right? If it was... If it was a modern phenomenon, I would get that, right? If it was that there was some concern about prions in our food uh, supply, that, that would make sense. You know, people concerned about mad cow disease or other bovine spongiform encephalitis, that would all make sense. But this stuff has been happening since at least the late 1800s. But take a listen to what Linda says about Australia in 1911. Australia has played a very interesting role in this historically because the BBC in 1979, when I started the work on A Strange Harvest, there was a producer there who told me that they had a journal from 1911 that had been published about 104 sheep being found in an Australian billabong with a ear, eye, tongue, uh, genitals, and rectum cored out. 104 all in one billabong with no blood and no tracks around those animals either. 1911. 1911. So a billabong, by the way, if you're not familiar, is basically a small, shallow pool of it's water. A dam or a creek. Yeah, it's not a very large area, but 104 sheep had been mutilated in 1911 with classic mutilation signs. Again, certainly we didn't have laser scalpels or that type of technology, electro-surgical technology in 1911 to the level of what's being described. So there's something very strange going on with this, and it's apparent that 
governments around the world, agencies around the world are familiar with this. And maybe they don't know the whole truth, but they know well enough to keep it a secret. And in fact, this is what Linda describes from the RCMP in Canada back in 1980. Lynn Lauber, head of animal mutilation investigations at the Royal Canadian Mounted Police in Calgary, Alberta, in 1980, where the local Canadian media were told by the RCMP that the cause of the mutilations there in the hundreds were satanic cults. But Lynn Lauber called me at KMGH-TV in Denver after the broadcast of my TV documentary, A Strange Harvest, and he said that he had seen my documentary and he was calling me because, and this is what he said to me, He knew that something from outer space was involved in the mutilations that the RCMP in Canada had investigated. When I asked him, why then have you told the media the perpetrators are satanic cults? He said, the reason was that he felt the truth was too difficult to report publicly. The truth is law enforcement has long known from their own eyewitness accounts They've seen the beams of light in pastures. Ranchers have seen the glowing disks put beams down. Ranchers have seen animals rise into these glowing disks. The glowing disks have been seen lowering animals down in beams of light to pastures where they are then mutilated. And to get those people, law enforcement or ranchers, to stand up in front of a camera and tell the world, what they've seen with their own eyes, is the biggest difficulty of my entire career. Because we are on a planet where humans are more afraid of humans and their ridicule than they are of extraterrestrials. I think she makes a really great point. And I could imagine being someone like Linda, who has put so many decades of effort into researching the catabulation phenomenon and be constantly frustrated with people not wanting to face ridicule. Well, I mean, that suggests a cover-up that's not a conspiracy. It's uh, There's no one uh, trying to hide something to, per se. They just don't know how to explain it, so don't want to talk about it. Is that really a cover-up? Well, it, it's the, the cover-up comes in when there are people that step in and take the bodies. You know, there was something that was described by, I think, again, Butch Witowski, where uh, in some of his uh, research, he's had people come to him and say that they've had people from the Department of Agriculture show up and remove the bodies. And in Men in Black style, say, you're not to talk about this. <laughs> and, you know, even more wild and crazy things. Like, there was one thing I was listening to where apparently there's like a... I don't know if it's, I, I hate to use this term, but it's like a black ops division of the Department of Agriculture. Yeah, that's what I was uh, laughing like, at. That's that, how that ridiculous idea. it is, right? But apparently there are uh, people that are in the know about cattle mutilations and they basically have dual roles and they work within the industries that you would interact yeah. with cattle. So it would be the Department of Agriculture. and Black re- Ops B- Bureau of <laughs> Land Management. <laughs> and that's why you're supposed to report this. Stuff. And then it starts stretching out, right? Because then you get into parks, like national parks workers and that kind of stuff. Yeah. It starts getting really, really kind of crazy. But speaking of actually getting quite crazy, I want to actually go over now to John Lear. John Lear, you know, he's that record-breaking pilot. He's known as a UFO conspiracist. Uh, The guy has come out with some really outrageous things over the years. But I think, you know, uh, with all the madness that's out there, sometimes there's a grain of truth that comes through. And I'm not saying he's a liar. I'm just saying that the stuff that he's come forward with is really quite difficult for some people to accept as being the reality of the nature that we live in. 
But uh, I want to play some audio for you uh, of him describing what he understands to be the cover-up that really is going on with this stuff. And it's not just cattle mutilations, it's human mutilations. And, you know, one thing that you heard Linda talking about there was the, the pathological characteristics of these tissue samples. Linda says that she's collected, uh, I think, from at least uh, 30 sites, tissue samples uh, that she's had analysed. And each and every time, it's been that the, the tissue was inconsistent with what you would expect for normal necrosis, what you'd expect for normal post-mortem, post-death effects, the way that it would, uh, you know, break down or the way that it would have, you know, the injury showing. Uh, it was always inconsistent. And in some circumstances, there would also be this effect that's known as, I think it's like a, uh, it's, it's reactivity is the term I believe which is used. And reactivity is essentially that if you stab a dead body, right, when you stab a dead body, it doesn't produce any type of reaction. You know what I mean? Obviously there is a, a reaction, but it's different to what would happen if you stab someone when they're alive. Right. If you stab someone when they're alive, you have a different movement of, of uh, you know, the body responding to it. You have different uh, blood, you know, splatter patterns, all that kind of stuff. With a lot of these samples that are being taken, they're finding that these horrible acts are being committed by the person's life. A slightly more frightening phenomenon known as human mutilations have occurred on a regular basis and are similar to the cattle mutilations in that the humans or humans are taken from the street, so to speak, and returned to the same area about 45 minutes to an hour later with their rectums cored out, their genitals removed, their eyes removed from their sockets and completely drained of blood. In all cases, it appears that the mutilation procedures occurred while the persons were still alive and conscious. One of our scientists speculates that apparently the human specimens had to be alive for the samples to be worth anything. Isn't that horrible? That's just absolutely horrible. That is consistent with what you hear from reports of like uh, World War II with the Japanese Unit 731. You know, they committed uh, horrible vivisections of uh, prisoners and they never used uh, anesthetic or anything like that because it was said or thought that the sample has to, or the organ has to be removed for analysis while the person's alive because it will somehow affect it. Just brutal, horrible things. And yet this is what Lear is saying is happening. People in the know, government pathologists or people that know about this phenomenon are reporting that human mutilations are taking place while people are alive. It's, it's terrifying when you think about it. Why? That's the question. He's saying that the samples need to be taken when the person's alive. Why? Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, that might tie in with these... Uh, recently on the show, we've been talking about that concept of soul containers. And this is something that Lear goes into and explains. Um, but if you recall, some of those stories we've described is that people have uh, been abducted or taken aboard UFO craft and there's been actual containers, like cylinders of some kind. And the ETs have told them that, oh, that's where we're storing, you know, the, the souls of the people that we collect, you know, outrageous, ridiculous kind of things. But when you hear Lear's theories about this or claims about this, it becomes a lot clearer. So one thing in regards, though, before we get into that, that I want to describe about the cover-up, you know, the cover-up that's taking place. Lear claims that the cover-up is so important that even our own government or our humans are actually killing other humans to stop details getting out. Since 1938, we have lost over 200 aircraft to UFO hostilities and thousands of soldiers and all kinds of different kinds of action with aliens. Since that time, several hundred thousand civilians have disappeared with no trace. <clears throat> several thousand were eliminated by us because of their chance encounters with aliens, which we could ill afford to have publicized. Several thousand have been eliminated simply because they've had some type of interaction with an ET and the government doesn't want that publicised. So not only is it bad enough that you're an abductee, 
But if you go and talk about it, there's a risk here that you also could be killed off by our very own people because we present a risk right. to the narrative. It's it's horrible when you start hearing these sorts of stories. Now, uh, through the years, you may have heard the story, we've discussed it, that Eisenhower met with the Greys and made an agreement. And when he met with the Greys, the agreement was to swap technology uh, in exchange for the Greys being allowed to take uh, people from us. And I think it was like, I don't know how many it was, but it wasn't a, a great you know number of people. But it just so happens that uh, it was a lot more than we were told. And according to Lear, this is a very, very dark secret. Abductions occur on a daily basis throughout the United States to at least 10% of the population. And when we first became aware of this, we protested to the little gray being that we held in the captivity at the YY2, uh, YY-2 facility at Los Alamos. But a deal was struck that in exchange for advanced technology from the aliens, we would allow them to abduct a very small number of persons, and we would be periodically given a list of those persons abducted. We got something less than the technology we bargained for and found that the abductions exceeded by a millionfold what we had naively agreed to. A millionfold, Ben. What did he say? 10% of the population? 10% of the population. 30 million people? 30 million people are being Come abducted on. and not necessarily being mutilated, but at least are being abducted, are being experimented upon, and all because we made this deal to exchange technology, but we essentially got beats. We should make it clear that Lear doesn't know this. Lear's just repeating a story. Lear's repeating a well-known trope that's been around in UFO law for a long time. It's exactly, not like yes. Lear was there or Lear got direct <laughs> no. information or Lear has some secret documents. This is just Lear repeating the law, really. That particular one is, uh, but Lear has made claims that he has had uh, informants and he's had, uh, you know, seen documents and he's been in close circles uh, and this is how he's received this information. So he's very similar in a way, uh, but obviously quite different to people like Linda Howe, though. Um, you know, describing having contacts with people that have come forward and been too fearful to actually report it publicly, but have come forward to people like him. Now, it becomes even more unusual, right? Because this is where it comes back into this soul container thing. So when we made this agreement allegedly with the ETs, it just so happens that we found out that it wasn't just one group of ETs. He says that through his information that it's actually 18 groups of ETs. Oh, good. <laughs> 18 of them. Some of them are quite bad. Some of them are quite good. Most of them are indifferent. But it just so happens that humanity ourselves are some type of genetic experiment. Uh, we found out that we are the experiment or product, if you will, of an alien race who we never met and really don't know who they are. All we know is that the greys are cybernetic organisms, glorified robots, if you will, who work here at the behest of their employers, monitoring us through abductions. Uh, we were never able to find out what the experiment is all about, except that we have been externally corrected about 65 times, and they, the aliens, refer to us as containers. There has been speculation that the souls our bodies contains is the reason for the experiment, but nothing has been proven or determined. There's a lot to take in there, and I think that last point of what he says, nothing has been proven, uh, <laughs> really does underline what he's describing, because it really is, it's starting to cross over into high-level conspiracy theories. Um, and for people that are nuts and bolts UFO researchers, the idea that humanity is some type of experiment and essentially our bodies are containers for souls is really quite crazy. But as I said earlier, we're hearing that in other abductee reports. Now, whether or not this is just something which is kind of filtered through the UFO pop culture and that's starting to, to come up, maybe that's a possibility. Or is it that there's some consistency in the stories that are coming through. 
Uh, and this starts going into things that are even greater. Like apparently Lear claims that Venus is not what we think it is. Venus is actually a, a very local ET homeworld. Oh, this which is, is this is the Venusian cover-up. This is the Venusian cover-up. Venus is actually a very temperate, comfortable place to live. And this is where some of these species are coming from. And they're keeping their eye on humanity. In the late 1950s, NASA was formed to compartmentalize, containerize, and sanitize information from all space platforms and vehicles. We sold NASA to the public claiming that all information would belong to them. Actually, they got very little, and even that was highly sanitized. Our first efforts were to keep the public from learning about Venus, uh, and that it's a similar planet to Earth, and that its population is very similar to us, but more technologically advanced. Uh, we have learned a lot from them. Starting with the Russian Venera 1 and U.S. Mariner 2, we made Venus look like a lead-melting volcanic surface spewing sulfuric acid into a pressurized atmosphere 90 times that of Earth. And was often the case we overdid it and wondered why no one ever asked how a parachute survived a descent into 800-degree air. We set up operations in Pine Gap, Australia to preclude any prying eyes trying to figure out what we were up to. We regularly eliminated, through extreme prejudice, anybody who was part of the operation and made the least little tiny threat about disclosure or satisfaction with the operation. Any space mission that included Mercury, Gemini, Apollo, Mariner, Voyager, Clementine, and all the rest, all data initially came transmitted to Pine Gap, and then it was relayed to JPL or wherever uh, after the sanitizing. We had a little trouble with amateur radio operators, uh, but we figured out when they figured out how they could intercept these signals, but we managed to deal with that. When the Russian threat began to fade, we introduced Vietnam, which kept the public occupied for over 10 years. Okay. The Lear conspiracies roll on. <laughs> where, where did you get this from? Because it just sounds like he's reading some script. Like, where is this from? This is an interview he did with Art Bell, uh, I think roughly around 24 years wow. ago or something. He's come prepared. He's literally got a script he's reading. Well, I understand that he would, right? Because he would have a lot of information. And there's a lot there, right? In that particular you know, piece of audio, there's a lot there describing. One, though, I do find to be detail, I find fascinating. He's right. Like these parachutes. I mean, yeah, we have advanced material science, but if, the, if Venus is so hot and inhospitable, how? <laughs> Are we dropping parachutes there? For me, this just underlines the mystery of the cattle mutilations because you're, you're kind of reaching for explanations and you've dug up Leah as a kind of, well, one explanation. But it, his it ideas are so radically out there that, I mean, it's just, it's just him, like I said earlier, it's just him repeating conspiracy. Like what is actually happening? What What's the evidence for what's happening with cattle mutilations? This Certainly is, not John Lear. Well, no, but this is the problem. There is no evidence. There is no evidence as to what is happening with cattle mutilation. It is all speculation. It is all anecdotal reports. It is all, um, you know, a lot of them, yes, are firsthand reports of ranches and what like Linda Moulton Howe described. You know, people are saying, I saw this, right? The problem is, though, is that no one has any photographs of this stuff. The only photographs we have is after the events have taken place. You know, no one has any samples apartment. We have tissue samples. But what is odd, a lot of these tissue samples that go to pathology labs disappear. I mean, this is another element of the cover-up that seems to keep on appearing. I know stuff gets lost in the mail. I know that the post office is fairly inefficient. But why is it that these samples seem to, to disappear? And obviously, I know it's not the post office. But these things that are, gets, are getting sent... 
Like they just disappear. It's like, does this happen all the time? Is this with any type of phenomenon that takes place? That it's why is it that this particular incident itself, like these particular reports, always seem to be attached with this high strangeness? Well, it's funny that Leah seems to know all this inside stuff about uh, Eisenhower meeting aliens and perhaps even the the very precise agreements on the numbers people can take. But does he have an answer for what cattle mutilations are? No, but he and other people, and this is where I'll get a little bit later on into the zoo mutilations because there's stuff out there that you've got people claiming that, and there's a whole heap of people and there's no one source for this. Like many of this, you know, these, these elements, there's not one source for it, but people have described, you know, you've heard abductees saying that they've seen um, like vats of human body parts aboard ships that are being used for food of some kind. One you know crazy story I was reading a couple of days ago was that the greys, um, they like, apparently humanity is like cattle and that's why we're not being allowed to go into space. And this is like what, you know, Leah was describing. Like only last week when we were talking about the Apollo Guardians, it's possible that the Apollo Guardians are like the Venusians and that are monitoring humanity and preventing us to go through. And what I, I should point out as well, when he described that all the radio telecommunications were going through Pine Gap here in Australia and being sanitized, he has that element that ham radio operators were intercepting those signals, but we dealt with them or we figure out how to deal with them. And I'm like, what does that Do mean? Do you know any ham radio operators today? <laughs> You're suggesting that they all got... They're all dead. ...pillarized? No, no, no. Uh, it's, it's just strange when you start, you know, piecing all these things together, but it's all simply conjecture. Like, there's no way that we can have any, you know, uh, actual evidence for this. And this is what makes it so difficult. The only way... This is the thing, though, and this is what Linda points out. The only way we can ever actually hope to gain an understanding to this particular phenomenon and the dangers that it presents is that it needs to start being uh, investigated by respected government authorities. Like respected government authorities need to look into this rather than playing it down, but it's always played down every single time. There's like Otter Bay. Otter Bay was a really weird example. This happened, I believe, in the UK as well. There are a couple of guys that had gone fishing one evening and when they were fishing, they saw this green glow in the water. Like they saw this green, out in the distance, it was this green kind of glow and it freaked them out. Like this, it was huge. It was this green glow, weird activity taking place. So they got the hell out of there, right? They went home and they said to their friends, oh, we saw something really weird. It was this massive green glow that was just out off the bay and didn't know what to make of it. The following day they go back. When they go back, guess what's lying on the beach? A whale carcass. Caught out. Oh, bizarre. It's a caught out whale carcass. And you know what it was written off as? Propeller damage. That's not Black Ops Bureau of Land Management. No, it's not. There's other reports as well. There's been reports that have come out of Australia. There was one report of a cattle mutilation that took place, right, that fits in with ghost rockets. Remember the Scandinavian ghost rockets? So with those reports, there were people reporting that for many, you know, nights, many flaps, they were seeing these strange rocket-shaped craft that were crashing down into lakes. They were actually crashing. And people went and inspected the lakes and went and looked, and they never found anything. Well, consistent with the cattle mutilation reports, there's reports from around the same time in Australia. So this is happening off in Scandinavia. At the same time in Australia, people were saying they were seeing rockets coming down in dams on their properties. And then the following day, there would be cattle mutilations. They would find a mutilated um, corpse of some kind, of whether it was you know a sheep or a cow or something. It's consistent. Again, anecdotal reports. You know, there's no photographs of this, of the craft, this kind of stuff, but it's all kind of 
joining together. And then, yes, of course, you get this outrageous kind of, you know, theory being put forward by people like John Lear. But well, I like just to... confirmed that the hot Venusians are real, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but I like to indulge in it, right? Because there's another element to the Eisenhower story. So the story goes is that, well, Eisenhower met with the Greys and we got the raw end of the stick. We got a bad deal. So uh, Eisenhower met with another group of ETs and listened to what happened. In 1954, President Eisenhower met with a representative of another alien species at Miroc Test Center, which is now called Edwards Air Force Base. This alien suggested that they could help us get rid of the greys, but Eisenhower turned down their offer because they offered no technology. Eisenhower, good move. Stuffed everything up. No, you, no. you don't want to give away something for nothing. But he wasn't. He was. They came down and like, we'll help you get rid of the greys. We'll exterminate the greys. We'll get rid of them for yeah, you. but we wouldn't have got any technology out of it. But we would have got rid of the greys. Think about everything you're using right now. Your MacBook, your microphone, <laughs> everything. Everything around you was given to us by the benevolent greys. They're not benevolent. They're horrible, sinister things. So they mutilated, so they mutilated like 30 million people. But what happens if you're one of those abducted people? That's the issue, right? It's all very well and easy to be like, oh, well, at least I've got my <laughs> MacBook. But when you're pulled out of your car in the middle of the night by some type of beam... Do you really believe that Eisenhower sits down with an all-powerful race of hot Venusians, right? Just imagine like a perfect 10 coming down in like a skin-tight, glowing blue suit, like rubbing her tits on his face and just saying, <laughs> I'm going to get rid of your problem. And Eisenhower's just like, no. <laughs> what, that, what scenario is that? It's ridiculous. It's completely ridiculous. I like it that that's the way that you find a way to debunk it because he was, she was rubbing her tits in well, his face. I don't know what their customs are. They're obviously hot aliens from Venus. But, I mean, the idea that he would say no to that deal is ridiculous. Well, maybe it's obviously far more complex than that. I mean, maybe it's exactly what you're saying. Maybe the Greys like, we will continue to give you technology. And this group came along and were like, we can get rid of them for you. Uh, however, you know, we won't give you any technology. And Eisenhower was like, eh, don't like that deal. You know, uh, Leah makes some really outrageous claims later on. I'll link to it in the show notes so you can actually listen to the full interview. He makes claims that these species are interacting with us consistently, but there's no God. That proves that there's no God. And like, oh, I don't necessarily buy that one. Uh, he also says things like uh, the Vietnam War. The reason why Kennedy was killed is because Kennedy uh, was one of the last presidents to be briefed on all this information, and Kennedy wanted to release this to everyone. But what they had done as this this group, they created Vietnam to keep everyone distracted. And Kennedy was like, well, I'm going to pull everyone out of Vietnam, which would have stopped the distraction. I'm going to disclose this information. And so the the powers that be in these hidden circles had to knock off Kennedy. Yeah. I don't know if I buy that. Again, either. like I said, he's just regurgitating conspiracies that are already out there. Yeah. You know, he's like a he's like lurking on, you know, early internet forums to get all this info, <laughs> yeah, basically. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But as I said, I'll link to that one if you want to listen to that in full. There's a lot more there to, to take in. But let's skip forward now to Butch Witowski. And this actually underlines exactly what I was describing a little bit earlier, that it's all very well and good to you know, talk about these incidents and go, oh, well, it's a conspiracy and it's, it's not real, it's not going to happen until it actually happens to you. And there are some claims out there from uh, MUFON investigators that they have been called by local authorities to come to things like car accidents that have very, very strange outcomes. We have a case in Colorado, very recent, and this investigator ain't letting go. He's also an ex-police officer and a MUFON chief investigator. He's called the scene of a car accident. MUFON does not go to car accidents. 
done enough of those. He gets there and the police officer says, we can't find the body. But somebody said that they saw something over the hill here and it looked like a UFO and that's why we called you. So old Joe the investigator trots up over the hill and he finds the body. Mutilated. 19-year-old victim. Identical to every case that we've seen so far. How the hell? that happen? I mean, I know that there's some pretty crazy dynamics that can happen in, you know, body mechanics when someone's flung from a car if a car accident takes place. But a seasoned, or even not a seasoned, you know, a crash investigator or police officer would know if this is something so unusual that you have to call MUFON in to take a look. Why would the police do that? If someone said they saw a strange light over the hill, why'd they need to call MUFON? Why didn't they just go over there? That's a good question as well. I mean, maybe they wouldn't have thought that a body would be over there. Like why? They probably looked around in the general vicinity, but they probably didn't go so far as to where the light was. It's just, it's all very strange. And then again, as you heard that, the body was mutilated. Now, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, mutilations that take place from a car accident, but for it to be consistent with what we're hearing with other, other mutilations, it's almost as if, and this is just conjecture as well, but the body was abducted from the car while it was driving and then dropped back down because that's what happens. These people get taken and they're dropped back down in the general vicinity, not exactly the same area. And so maybe he was plucked from the vehicle, he or she was plucked from the vehicle, the vehicle crashed and then dumped back down later on. And when you start hearing, you know, as we heard before, that or they do these mutilations when people are alive, maybe that is the whole point as to why we're not being told about this, as to why a cover-up is taking place, because it is so horrific, it's so bad, and we can do nothing to stop it. There is no way to defend against it. And why add to the fear and pressure of people to think that, oh, I could just be driving along and suddenly plucked and you know be caught out? Maybe that's simply why. It's actually really, really simple. It's a horrible thing, um, but it would create such a panic and such a concern, it would uh, potentially destabilize governments because if they can't protect us from it, well, then people are going to go crazy. So maybe that's exactly what the whole reason is, is because it's just so dangerous and so horrible. There's no point in ever going into it. And that's why we're not getting the answers. And that's why you have these elements of the cover-up that are coming through. I don't know. But to finish this quite horrible section of the show. Yeah, it's a real upper, this one. I wanted to describe to you a couple of cases that I was looking into because I found, just anecdotally, that there's reports of, and these are small zoos, right? There's reports of small zoos, and there's a lot of them, though, describing that they've had, you know, phantom decapitations. And what I mean by phantom is that animals have been found inside their pens and enclosures that are sealed. In some circumstances, it's just with a chain-link fence, but they've been decapitated overnight, and there's no... What? Signs of entry, there's no signs of any type of vandalism. They must have surveillance cameras. They haven't had surveillance in a lot of these circumstances. This was happening through the 1980s, a lot of these cases coming out. Uh, but again, all anecdotal, until you come to a report from Bill Nell. UFO researcher Bill Nell reported on this. He claims that he had uh, a couple or a few workers from the uh, Flushing Meadows Park Zoo, which is located 10 miles east of Manhattan on Long Island, uh, come forward to him and describe something very, very strange that happened over two nights back in 1987. So Bill Nell says that these uh, employees came to him and said that um, there had been UFO activity over this zoo over two nights. And what the UFO activity was, was white and green lights, sometimes moving in triangular formations. So I'm like, oh my God, like this is exactly what the other reports I've been reading today, right? Um, you have to set the scene, though, from this particular location because in 1966, right, in this very location, 
apparently hundreds of motorists driving on the Grand Central Parkway, on the, that's the parkway side of the Flushing Meadows Park, reported seeing a large luminescent blue-green object that looked like a glowing airship that descended into the lake that evening. Like this is, they're seeing airships mm. in the 1960s glowing, descending into the lake into a location that's got weird UFO activity attached to it. So skipping forward to these events that took place, apparently when these um, lights had been seen, uh, the workers came the following, uh, the following morning and they were doing their rounds and they said that they had found that uh, multiples of animals had either were missing from their pens or had been mutilated. None of the enclosures had been unlocked, none of them had been damaged, and none of them had been tampered with. There was no signs at all of the enclosure being compromised. Now, this wasn't the first time that this had happened. A caretaker present in 19, uh, 1977 had reported similar incidents taking place, where animals had just simply disappeared from their cages. Uh, wolves turned up on the opposite side of the zoo, and other animals were found roaming outside the zoo, outside of their locked Pence. And then I thought, okay, this is interesting because Bill Nell says that there's actually been a number of incidents you know, around the world where UFO sightings have taken place and there's been a sudden appearance or disappearance of animals. Like this is consistent with UFO reports and it's happened globally. It's like, I started thinking about, it. I remember back in Sydney in the kind of um, 2010s, 2009 kind of time, a cobra just showed up on Scotland Island in Sydney. Now, cobras are definitely not in Australia. And Scotland Island is actually an island. It's, in, it's just above Sydney, or I don't know if it's exactly in the harbour, but it's, um, it's just off Sydney. Now, You've got to think an exotic pet in that situation. That's what but I'm why thinking. Why would it end up on the island? Maybe if someone's disposing of it, they want to put it where it's not going to hurt anyone. And But Scotland Island is inhabited. So it's like, why oh, would you? Why would you do they that? Really hate people on Scotland Island. <laughs> yeah, well, that's I mean, that's maybe one possibility. Um, but that was just a weird kind of like a weird animal, and maybe it is exotic. But it would be pretty hard to smuggle a cobra in. I would have thought. Um, and then maybe it's got no connection at all. But when you read things like that of what Bill Nell's describing, it just it makes you stop and pause for a moment and think, mm, okay, that's kind of strange. Um, so when the events took place in 1977, when this happened, apparently the zoo was initially closed and they were going to install more sophisticated um, monitoring equipment. I, mean, I don't know how sophisticated it could be in the 70s, but obviously alarms or something. But skipping forward to 1987, where these green and white balls of light had been forming all sorts of shapes and triangles and hovering directly over the zoo, the animals were heard to become greatly disturbed. Right, This was part of the report. But due to budget cuts and because there were police on the park all night long, caretakers and other zoo employees were no longer present at the zoo. So the last zoo employee was said to leave at around 11pm and then showed up at 7.30am that morning. The morning that they came in, they were horrified to find... Every animal in the zoo dead, and not just dead, what? but strangely mutilated. What zoo is this again? This is the Flushing Meadows Zoo. So this is reported by Bill Nell. Uh, now he's, what year? This is 1987 that this took place. Uh, he says, the caretakers and other employees told me that all of the animals were still locked or secured in their pens and exhibited no signs of forced entry. Uh, he said surgical autopsies were conducted later on, and despite the death and apparent mutilation, little or no blood was present. This is consistent with the cattle mutilation effects. Uh, he says, needless to say, the zoo was closed without explanation. No trespassing signs were placed near the entrance and on fences and the surrounds, and then the zoo was uh, renovated. When the zoo was renovated, according to Bill Nell's report, 
they took a couple of inches of ground from each site where these mutilations had taken place. What? If you look on a Flushing Meadows Zoo history page, it it mentions 1987 that there was an 80, uh, it must mean, it says $80, but it must mean $80 million rehabilitation yeah. Yeah. Uh, to bring the park back from the dead. But there's no mention of why. Of course. It just says that the park fell into disrepair, but that's that's it. So you're saying that that was covered listen, up. Listen to this. This is the next thing that Bill Nell writes. He says, officially, the deaths never happened. Oh. Plans were already in the works to refurbish the zoo buildings, and it wasn't hard to arrange for the entire zoo property to be rebuilt. All of the old buildings and enclosures were destroyed, and several inches of dirt were removed from the entire area of the zoo. During this time, none of the employees that spoke to me were allowed anywhere near the place. It officially reopened in 1988, uh, undergoing a $16 million rebuild, but you've said 80, so yeah, who knows how it's much probably it was. $16 million. Probably wasn't $80 million that long ago. Now, um, Bill writes that the zoo employees that spoke to me said that the animal deaths and mutilations were eventually explained away as the work of vandals or ritualistic killers... And uh, it was published in an internal report that no one got access to. That's a weird one. But the vandals would have made all kinds of noise, he said, um, and nothing was heard. This was all silent. This was, And obviously, people had seen weird glowing lights over the zoo two nights before this event happened. I mean, this is truly crazy. Then UFOs were seen again over the zoo in 1991, but at this time, no deaths or mutilations were reported. Wouldn't a zoo have insurance for something like that? I mean, not animal ab- ab- mutilations, well, but animals dying? I would think that they would, but again, it's the 80s. Like, it's very different to the conservation, you know, efforts that zoos go to these days, or the good ones. Um, so I'm not exactly sure. But you know what's odd? Bill says that during the unannounced and temporary closure, uh, these expensive zoo upgrades that took place, they installed a sophisticated series of security systems again. So officials merely said that funds had suddenly become available for an upgrade and the zoo reopened to the public in June of 1992. So they did this upgrade after the lights appeared once again in 1991. I don't know what to make of this stuff. I will link to Bill Nell's report uh, in the show notes at mysteriousuniverse.org uh, for this episode so that you can you know, take a look and see what you think. What's, I don't know what to make of this What's your last Witkowski clip you've got here? Oh, see, this, I think, uh, this is good advice. I think this is what I want to end the show on. Uh, you know, if you see a UFO... And keeping in mind these stories, and as much as people are fascinated by this stuff, take a listen to what Butch has to say. I think this is good advice. After reading these cases and looking into some of this stuff and coming up with some of this stuff, you know, if you see something flying up there and it's close, run like hell. Don't call me. Don't think about anything. Just get out of there. Yeah, great advice. Get the hell out of there. Yeah. This stuff is far more... Da- it's not fun, uh, you know, and recording it on the internet, although even though I've recorded weird lights over my place... It's not, I just, I don't think it's that safe. I think there's a lot of dangers associated with this stuff. And it's pretty clear that uh, there's something very sinister going on with the phenomenon. What if you have some kind of bait with you? <laughs> what do you mean? What, <laughs> you mean like your kids? I don't know, so like your, kind of your neighbor's dog or something. Your <laughs> annoying, yappy little neighbor's dog, which wakes you up at 3am almost every night with this incessant yapping. And you happen to see a UFO. Just go get the neighbor's dog. Just a little bit of an insurance policy. Well, I then mean, you can see the UFO. You've got you've got a decoy. Hear me out. Are you saying that you should put it in some kind of pen if you see orbs <laughs> floating over your house to <laughs> just, see what happens? Just throw it in the general direction of the UFO. It starts coming down. Just 
Throw the little yappy dog at the UFO. I, I think you're kind of selling your soul for a decent night's sleep there, Ben. I don't know. I don't know if that's exactly <laughs> something that I would do. But yeah, look, I'll link to all of that stuff, even the wild stuff from uh, John Lee in the show notes at mysteriousuniverse.org. So you can check it out for yourself. Good stuff. Well, coming up in our plus extension, we're going to switch gears and get away from all this depressing stuff about animals being mutilated and people's heads being chopped off and talk about the divine blueprint by Freddie Silver. Uh, This is going to follow on from our Plus show on Tuesday where we spoke about this really strange, almost uh, divine connection between stars and constellations and mountains on Earth. Almost as if there's a grand design that has taken into account the constellations and the geography of our planet. We're going to extend on those ideas. Lots of triangles coming up from Freddie Silver. Lots of weird angles and details. And ultimately, we're going to share his experiences in the Great Pyramid at Giza, where a weird old man wearing white robes literally walked out of the stone and had a conversation with him, like many people in history. That's coming up in our Plus extension. If you want to access that, head to mysteriousuniverse.org forward slash plus. Sign up today. You get access to the big extensions we do every single week. And Plus members get an exclusive show every single Tuesday as well. You're getting more than double the content if you sign up for Plus. Plus members also get a totally ad-free version of the show. You get uh, a higher bitrate feed. Mm Mm-hmm better quality audio of the show when you're on plus and if you sign up for mu max you get access to our entire back catalog as well check it out today mysteriousuniverse.org forward slash plus also don't forget store.mysteriousuniverse.org where we've got a whole heap of mu merchandise in there if you are in the continental u.s area you will be able to get your items delivered just before christmas you're cutting it very close i think there's about two or three days to go Uh before you might not be able to get it before christmas did we sell out of baubles we did we sold out of baubles but we went like three or four of them and then the company's like oh I'm sorry we ran out <laughs> well, it is like, Christmas that's, that's just great you need Thank to be selling much. baubles earlier Aaron you, you jumped on it too slow <laughs> you need to get the Bigfoot baubles in and around October <laughs> I have replaced them but they're they're a little bit different they're not baubles this All time right. they're flat alright store.mysteriousuniverse.org that's a wrap for this free edition of the show if you're on plus we'll catch you after the break for everyone else thanks for listening we'll see you next week Welcome back to your Plus Extension. Great to have you with us.